We're thankful for the goodness of the Lord today. Aren't you glad that God is faithful? Hallelujah, he's faithful. He's good, good, good God. Amen. Exodus chapter 1, second book in the Bible, not hard to find if you have a Bible in your hand. Amen. Turn with us there. We're going to read two verses of Scripture to get started. Amen. If you don't have a Bible, you can have it on the, you may have it on the back. Praise God. Just, uh, amen. Don't be shopping on your phone after we're done reading the Scripture. Amen. If you don't have either of those, it is on the board. Amen. The wall here. Thank God. Aren't you glad for the Word of God today? Amen. 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 The first chapter of the book of Exodus, Exodus 1, chapter 11. Everybody got it. Say amen. Amen. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Amen. He's going to blast the shofar. We want you to give God praise, amen, for his word today. Come on, specifically for that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. Come on. I know we got more than that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Raise it a little bit higher. Amen. Lift the level this morning. Amen. Let's let the enemy forces know that we know what we're praising about. Amen. We know why. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated today. And the Lord will allow me, I want to minister simply on this song. We are too much. Amen. We are too much. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm too much. Amen. I'm too much. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, amen, the true body of Christ, we've been through some stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. The last four years, uh, specifically, we were faced with some things, amen, with some internal challenges that we have never, amen, been faced with before. There were some things, amen, there's always been persecution. There's always been resistance. There's always been opposition against the body of Christ, against the true church, the ecclesia, amen, that the ones that are called out, the called out ones, those that Jesus died for, amen, and built the church upon that rock, amen, praise God. There's always been a outward opposition, amen, there's been opposition, amen, in a lot of ways, but amen, the last four years, specifically, amen, uh, uh, amen, beginning in 2020, when all of the COVID and everything began to hit, we began to face some internal challenges that we as the body of Christ had never, amen, been faced with before. Uh, we navigated some territory, amen, uh, hallelujah, that was unchartered. We navigated some things and went, made some decisions and had to make some choices to, uh, amen, to uh, accomplish the gospel, to fulfill what God had set forth for the church uh, Amen. For us as a body, amen, we had to navigate some uncharted territory. And let me tell you something. The enemy thought it would be over. He thought it would be our demise. Amen. But how many knows he was mistaken? Hallelujah. Praise God. Because our 
count of, amen, those times of difficulty. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I know some churches closed and there was unfortunately some pastors that left the ministry as a result of what took place. Amen. But overall, hallelujah, amen, the church cannot be shaken. I'm not talking about this denomination. I'm not talking about the name of a particular local fellowship. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ that is built upon that solid foundation. Hallelujah. That church that Paul was persecuted for. That church that Timothy, amen, the apostles were given their life for. Hallelujah. We cannot be shaken. Aren't you glad of that? Hallelujah. Amen. But can I tell you that if we are part of the ecclesia, if the church cannot be shaken, amen, then you and I that are part of the church also cannot be shaken. I wish I would have to reprieve the setting that understands what I'm saying already. Hallelujah. Praise God that no matter what comes our way, we've been through the fire, been through the flood, amen, been in the very pits, hallelujah, but we are still triumphant, hallelujah, and the reason that you're still here, it's why we're still here, because we cannot be shaken, and can I tell you that there's some of you in here this morning that you have had battles, you have been faced with adversity, you have walked through the fire, you have been through some floods, you have experienced some loss, amen, you have encountered some demons, but can I tell you what didn't defeat you is going to complete you, hallelujah, what did not take you out, hallelujah, come on somebody, do you hear me, I need you to say with me today, I'm going to try to push through this as quickly and efficiently as possible, amen, but there's some of you in here today that's been through some stuff, hallelujah, there's some of you today that's been through some things that are really unmentionable, there's some some of you that's here today that have experienced some things that you should not have ever experienced, but if it had not been for Jesus, come on, I said if it had not been for the blood of Jesus Christ, you would be cast out, amen, see we might get knocked down, but we'll never be destroyed, we might get discouraged, but we will never be defeated, so I've come to remind you today that what didn't defeat you is going to complete you, what the enemy thought was going to take you out, God's going to use it all, hallelujah, I wish somebody would get with me today, I feel the preacher already, and I'm still trying to lay a foundation, but I just need to agree who understands completely what I'm talking about today, to lift your hands and give out a shout that says I've been there, but I didn't stay there, come on somebody, but it was Jesus that brought me out, oh Let's look at Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me I have been afflicted. Come on, hallelujah. That's a big statement. It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. Hallelujah. I may not have liked it, but it was good for me. I may not have enjoyed it, but I know it was good 
for me. Hallelujah. Why? Because I've learned, amen, to trust him even more. I've learned that whatever state that I am in, I see Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content. That means it don't come natural. Just because you're saved, just because you're walking in holiness, just because you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, doesn't mean walking a mind in a right relationship with God comes automatic. It's not natural. How do you learn? You fall, you get back up. How do you learn? You try and it don't work. You realize this is what works. And so you go back to the Word of God. I've been there. I once was old. I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never, never, never seen the righteous of God forsaken. Nor have I ever seen His people begging for anything that belongs to them. My God, somebody help me in this place this morning. It's good for me. So look at your neighbor and say, this mess that you're dealing with is good for you. Ah, come on. See, here in Exodus chapter 1, the children of Israel, they were in one of the most difficult times in their history at that point. They were now in Egypt. And they went there by the command of God, by the will of God. And they were there in Egypt. And we understand you can read the story. Joseph was there, praise God, and he's one of the reasons why they went there. Hallelujah, in the time of a famine, praise God. But now, amen, it had come to a time, hallelujah, that uh, Joseph had died. Now, you've got to understand, amen, I'm not going to go into all of those details today, but trust me that I'm telling you the truth. And if you don't believe me, ask uh, just two or three, amen, who unknows the story. And they'll tell you I'm being truthful with you. Hallelujah, that Joseph had found favor in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh had given Joseph favor. Hallelujah. But when Joseph died, here's what you got to understand. That all of the status, amen, that his family enjoyed because of him had also died with him. So now that favor and that status that Joseph had and that his family had because of him, now that he has died, that status and that favor had died with him. But the Bible says that the descendants, amen, were fruitful and they increased abundantly and they grew powerful. Amen. You've got to understand that when this all began, there were only 70 Israelites, amen, that inhabited or dwelled in Egypt. But the Bible says that they increased or they grew in abundance. Hallelujah. They became fruitful. Hallelujah. And they filled the land. Now the first generation had died off. And now this generation, amen, they kept increasing. Amen. They were they were fruitful. Even though they had lost their favor. Even though they had lost their status. They were still prospering. But then the Bible says a new 
Pharaoh who knew not Joseph became king of Egypt. He knew nothing about Joseph. And the Bible tells us plainly that he felt threatened by the presence of so many Israelites. There was so much favor and so much blessing and everything that they did. Amen. Praise God. They kept increasing. Come on, somebody. You got to understand that. And they had became so great in the land. Amen. That they were a threat to this new Pharaoh. And he said, there's got to be something that we can do. Amen. That will cause them. Because if there is a war... If we go to battle, they are going to be able to overtake us. Can I tell you right there that that's why the enemy bothers to even mess with God's people about stupid stuff, about stuff that we should not even, amen, not even matter to us, amen, because he knows that he can get you off, amen, focus and off track, hallelujah, that he might be able to defeat you. He knows that greater is he that is in us, us being the ecclesia, the church, those who are blood-bought, born again. He knows that greater is he that is in us than him and all of his minions and demon forces. He knows the dunamis power that was present on that third day after Jesus gave up the ghost and he rose up out of that grave and they rolled away that stone and there was nothing left but his grave clothes. Hallelujah, but a napkin and the napkin was folded that said, I'll be back. I may not be here right now, but I'm coming back because I ain't done yet. Come on, somebody. Oh, you better be rejoicing because he ain't done yet because you're still here and there's still plenty that he can do in us. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. The enemy knows that dunamis power that belongs to the children of the king. He knows the power of the Holy Ghost that is in us. He understands the serving of spirits. He understands the gifts in operation. He don't mind the gifts. He doesn't want them in operation. Amen. So he'll set out. Amen. Sensationalism. False doctrine to get people. Hallelujah. Deceived. So that he can defeat them. Because he wants. He does not want to be outnumbered. Come on somebody. That's why all hell has come against your house. That's why hell has assaulted your marriage. Your health. Your mind. Your family. Your finances. Your job. That's why hell is against you. Because he understands. Amen. Who you are. So. Pharaoh said. If we go to war. They'll overtake us. They're going to turn on us. And they're going to be for their own kind. So he said we got to do something. So he set slave masters over them. He began to enslave them. And the Bible says, tells us, amen, that they begin to make bricks and mortar and they begin to build cities for Pharaoh. They begin to build him cities. And the Bible says that he afflicted them greatly. But the more they were afflicted, 
the more they grew. You'll get that next Sunday. The more they were afflicted, the more they increased. He afflicted them greatly. And can I tell you, the more that the enemy may put on you means the more you're about to propel into another dimension of your relationship with God. The more that the enemy all did not put more upon, any more upon us than we can bear. Let's quit using that as a crutch. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? You've got the power. You've got the dunamis power inside of you. A man that can not only cause a demon to flee, but it can raise a man from the dead. Come on, somebody, do you understand me? And if it can raise a dead man, it can raise your marriage. It can raise your health. It can raise your mind. Oh, somebody better help me in this place. I feel like slapping somebody today. That's how much I feel this today. So I, hallelujah, I'll try to stay away. Shane, you're it. Hallelujah, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm not shit down here to my, amen, to my elder brother today. I don't know. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, praise God, there is dunamis power. And so the more that the enemy puts on you, amen, the more you're going to grow. The more that he puts upon you, the greater, hallelujah, the victory. I need somebody who's understanding the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah. Amen. You are too much. Say with me. See, it's like this. The trouble didn't defeat them. It empowered them. you got to lose that shut rock, woe is me mentality. Quit sucking your thumb and dragging the blanket and letting that dark cloud hang over you. There's a season for all of it. I'm not criticizing anybody. But Paul done said there comes a time when we got to recognize what it is. Hallelujah. we got to understand. Hallelujah. In whom we trust. That's how Paul learned. I'm here to tell you today, praise God. This, this trial is making you stronger. Oh, there's some of you going through some stuff. I felt it in the spirit this morning. I felt it. I felt it. I know, amen, I'm pastor. I know some of you are going through some stuff. Amen, but I felt it in the spirit. There's going to be some people here today. I believe that's going to go through some stuff. I, I had another direction. Amen, for a completely different message. Hallelujah, praise God in the spirit Lord. Amen, redirected my thinking and my focus. So I know somebody here today, hallelujah, praise God, is going to leave this place, hallelujah, with a peace. You're going to leave this place with your mind clearer. You're going to leave this place with conviction in your heart. If you ain't saved and you're here today, hold on, because conviction's right at your feet. It's about to make its way right up your thigh, right into your heart. And if you ain't careful, it's going to take your mind. And before you know it, you're going to find yourself at this altar today saying, Jesus, I surrender. I need 
natural potential that is in the atmosphere today. He knows that's the power. Ooh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Help me. So he afflicted them. Now let's look at that word afflicted in the Hebrew. It's the Hebrew word annul. Okay. Well, I thought about that today. It looks like the enemy tells you gnaw at you. Yeah. This is a gnaw, but it, it, you get it, right? Yeah. Amen. It just gnaws. The Hebrew word annul. Afflicted means depressed. It means cast down. It means mishandled. It means to put down with words. It means to be humiliated. So he afflicted them. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you something about the difference between oppression and depression. Yeah. People want to fuss and argue and fight and be all fundamental and all theological. Demons can't do this and demons can't do that. Praise God. Hallelujah. Why don't we understand what we can do and that we wouldn't have to focus so much on what demons can or can't do? your mind, will, and emotions. So that's when, if we can, if we can look at it, our flesh, so that's when, amen, there is an undue weight or there is an undue pressure that is put on you physically that is, it is causing your mind and your will and your emotions to be affected. Amen. That's oppression. Hallelujah. Depression means to lower down in spirit. Amen. So oppression affects the soul. Depression affects your spirit. That means you become, you lose heart. Amen. You become sad, dejected. Hallelujah. Amen. You become dull. Amen. To the things that you know to be right and true. So oppression affects the soul. Depression affects the spirit. And there's nothing worse than a child of God losing heart. There's nothing worse than a child of God's spirit being a man weighed down, being lowered, a man to what it is supposed to be. Depression takes your spirit down to where it was when your spirit became born again. Can I tell you, let me remind you, that when you get saved, your mind don't get saved, your will don't get saved, and truly your emotions don't get saved. Amen. But your spirit becomes alive again. It becomes born again. Now you got to get your mind, will, and emotions or your soul in alignment with the spirit. Amen. Your spirit takes on the spirit of Christ. So when depression is there, it is lowering your spirit slowly down to where it was when you said yes to Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody. To the point to where you don't feel like you got a purpose to live. You don't feel like that anybody loves you. Even if you've been blessed and walked and been healed, depression can come and it can lower your spirit to where you become dull to the witness of the truth. Hallelujah. This is what Pharaoh was trying to do to the Israelites. 
spirit door. He was trying to get them into the place where all hope was lost, even though they were surrounded by a great number of people who had the like mind, who understood who they were. It still was not enough, and they did not want to live until they got to the place that they cried out, God, we need a deliverer. I wonder if anybody has had enough. I wonder if anybody here today has said, you know what? Enough's enough. I'm tired of being melancholy. I'm tired of compromising. I'm tired of being middle of the road. Hallelujah. It's up from this point on. When is it too much? When? Is it too much? The enemy wants you to lose heart. Paul said, I've learned. I'm convinced. And when he was in prison, bleeding, bloody, dejected, suffering, hurting, he could still lift his hands and give God praise. He was being oppressed, but he was not allowing the enemy to depress his spirit. Come on, somebody, do you hear that? I do not know who that's for today. Hallelujah, praise God. But I do know, amen, if you're here today and that's you, there's deliverance in this house. You say, how do you know that? First of all, because Jesus is here. Second of all, because the word is being proclaimed. Hallelujah. And if you'll just receive it, if you'll just accept it and say yes to it, it's going to loose you. It's going to break every chain. It's going to bind every color. It's going to dissolve every yoke that is upon your mind. My God, who is he talking to today? Hallelujah. I don't know who he's talking to, but it's time you realize that you are too much for the enemy. You are too much when stories. Touch your neighbor. And I mean this wholeheartedly. Touch your neighbor. Say, I know you've got a story. I know you've got a story. We all have our stories of how you were. Look, 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 look. I, I got to look at that. We're to flip the annul. And I saw that mishandled. All of us have our stories of how we've been mishandled by family. By a parent, by a sibling, by a child, by your children. You've all we've all had a story how we've been mishandled by our spouse, even pastors and church leaders. You've been mishandled by the church. All of us have stories of how we've been mishandled by friends, taken advantage of, and been abused and used and cast away. We all have that story. And here's something I've learned. One from observation, two from experience, and three from just knowing. That the ones who are dancing, worshiping, leaping, jumping, the most intense are often the ones who've been through the greatest battles. Oh, you'll get that next week. Maybe. It might take you two weeks to get that one. 
So when you look at someone in disdain because the sin of the music starts, bear with it. You're like, I don't feel nothing. It's because you've got to get with it. It doesn't all automatically fall on you. You've got to get in line with it. David said, leap for joy. That means when you feel oppression, leap. When you feel all hell is assailing you, why leap for your joy? Because no matter how you feel, do this about ten times. Come on, somebody, you think you've lost your mind. Praise God, hear me. How many, there was a time, see, there was a time in my Christian walk, in my dignified Pentecostal experience that I would not jump in the presence of people in the church. I don't care if somebody come took me by the hand. You ain't going to get my feet off the ground. Even the Holy Ghost couldn't get me to jump. But after a few times of crawling down on my face and licking the dirt and realizing that at my lowest point, he did not deject me. He did not forsake me. But he had patience with me. His loving kindness brought me out. So when I get up, it's the least I can do. Hallelujah to express how good he's been to me. See, some of you are afraid to do it in here because you're afraid he'll make you do it out there. You squeezing that orange and the produce out, and the Holy Ghost says, You need to leave. What if that person on the other side is at their last thought of living? And you're leaping. Causes them to say, Excuse me. What are you doing? I'm leaving. Why? Because God told me to. And there is an opportunity that that joy that's been your strength can now be their strength. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise God. You say, ah, I've got a little abstract. The ones that have been through the greatest battles are the ones that don't wait for everybody else to get in line. They don't wait to see if somebody else is getting it. But the very idea of the presence of the Lord and being in His presence and the worship music started just calls us something. Yeah, you're talking about and then when the song starts talking about leaping and turning around, you're like, <laughs> come on. It becomes automatic. You say, are you criticizing me because I don't? No. But I'm telling you that you can even if you don't. What do you tell your kids when you make something and they say, I don't like that? 
I don't like that. Have you ever tasted it? No. Then how do you know you don't like it? You have to taste and see to find out the Lord is good. That just means when I get saved. Maybe in your Bible, but not mine. Taste and see. What do you tell that child? Taste it first. And listen, listen. You know that 98% of the kids already have it in their mind that when they put that in their mouth, I'm going to like it. Before it even touches their taste buds. My grandkids are pros at that, son. Before it ever even touches their lip. We're the same way. Before we ever get ourselves to the place to taste of the Lord in ways and places that we haven't, we already tell ourselves it ain't going to work. I'm going to look like a fool. Somebody's going to make fun of me. They're going to think I'm crazy. So what? I said, Come on. You understand that? You're fighting for your life. So I found, I, I've discovered that the people that, amen, that dance the most intense, amen, are the ones that's been through the greatest battles. Yeah. And here's the thing, you say, well, I'd never know it. That's because no one can tell what you've been through because you don't resemble what you've been through. You don't sell it. You've been through the fire, but you don't sell like fire. You've been through the fire, but there's nothing on you burnt. Amen. You've been through the flood. Amen. But it did not overtake you. Hallelujah. God parted it. You're dry. You've been through the flooded waters, but hallelujah, they could not sustain you. They could not handle you. See, we try to figure out how am I going to handle this, God? Well, you need to understand. Turn that around and tell your trial. I don't know how you're going to handle this. Because this, hallelujah, is a child of the king. This is an overcomer by the blood of Jesus Christ. Quit whining and saying, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And tell the enemy, I don't know if you're ready for me or not. But I'm just a bit too much. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you understand? I feel that in the Holy Ghost today. We all have our moments. We all have our times. I'm not saying we can't feel those things. It's not a sin to feel. You need to be concerned if you don't feel. When you're grieving somebody, it's just because you're feeling the loss because there was love there. You're allowed to feel. But you just can't let that feeling rule you. You can't let it decide how you eat, sleep, drink. Praise, worship, show up, go up, be up, come on, put up, shut up, stay up. Oh, come on, somebody, do you hear me? You just cannot let that be the determining factor. I feel you, bro. Bruh. My grandkids. I am not your bruh. I am your papa. And don't ever forget it, bruh. <laughs> bro, hear me. I'm not your bro. Come on. I'm your pepper. <laughs> Come on. 
No one can tell what you've been through because you don't look like what you've been through. Have you ever looked at somebody and they give you a testament? You say, I would have never guessed that they had ever been there. I would have never guessed. Why is that? Because they have joy. It's not because of how they look, how they're dressed. Unless you're thinking carnal, unless you're thinking materialistically, money and whatever, whatever. Praise God. But because they have joy, they have peace, they have hope. And guess what? Some of them are still in it and they still have joy. Hope I would have never known that they suffer under the hand of abuse the way they do by watching them in the presence of the Lord. Come on. Are you with me? That word afflict means to put down with words. Can I tell you that man's words cannot mute the words of God? They cannot mute. They might drown them out for a little bit, but they cannot turn them on mute. You ever want to mute somebody? You ever just wish you had a remote control, but you just mute somebody? Come on. They're talking mess. You're thinking in your mind, Lord, we should hush that mess. Man's words cannot mute the words of God. If God has given you a promise, if God has spoken something over you, no matter what man says over you, it cannot mute what God has already spoken. See, man's words put down, God's words raise up. Oh, come on. Even if God's words take you, uh, amen, down a notch or two, the point is, is once you get down there, he wants you to come back up. Even if he has to knock you off your high horse, uh, even if his words have to take you off the pedestal, whether you put yourself there or man's put you there, uh, once you get down there, those words aren't meant to keep you there. They're meant to bring you back up uh, above the pedestal. You understand when, when man puts us on a pedestal that that's a as far as we can go. And the Bible tells us that we are meant to dwell with him in heavenly places. And if you allow pride to put you on a pedestal or on your throne, that's as far as you can go. See, bro, I'm going up a little bit higher. Come on, somebody. Because no matter how high pride takes you, it always is the last step before you fall. And that's God's word. And nothing that the enemy says or does can mute that. His word is immutable. Come on, somebody. So man's words will put you down. God's words will raise you up. And the enemy knows the potential of your future. He knows the potential of your future, but he cannot determine it. There is nothing he can do to determine the magnitude of your destiny. He knows that you've got a future in God. He knows the word. That's why he tries to drown it out. He, may, he knows the potential that's in your future, but he cannot determine it. So the more that the enemy mishandled them, depressed them, cast them down with their words, humiliated them. You ever think about humiliation? How many ever felt humiliated? Either because of something that you did or something that someone's done to you, right? Well, that's, that's, that's the base of humility. So 
if, if, if that gets you to that place, so that, that means you're at a place of humility where you can say, you know what, God? I need you. I can't handle this. I can't do this alone, God. I need you. So no matter how, how much they spoke against them, put them down with their words, no matter how much they mishandled them, no matter how much they tried to depress them, no matter how much they oppressed them, the Bible says that the more that they did that, the more that they multiplied. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied. Now let's look at that word multiplied in the Hebrew. It's the, the Hebrew word wabal. It means increase. It means to bring in abundance. It comes from a root word that means projection or to shoot an arrow. You know, so the aim well, is going to take you somewhere, right? It ain't going somewhere. But here's the one that stuck out to me it means to become much. So it means increase. Multiply, you know, gets bigger, gets more, that becomes more. But it means to become much. In the Hebrew, simply it means that you're greater than you were before the affliction. You're greater than you were. If greater is he that's in you than what you're dealing with on the outside, it only stands the reason that you're going to become greater after the affliction. So, so, so essentially, in Hebrew, hillbilly, if I can say it like that. Lord, I would, there would be some scholars that would, would like I would be exercised for that. That's the truth. But you know what I mean? It simply means that you're greater than you were. It means you're granted greater authority. See, here's the thing. Man adds to, but God multiplies it. There's a difference in adding two and two, adding three and two, adding five and six, then multiplying five and six. You add five, six, you get 11. You multiply it, you get what? 30. So... <clears throat> Multiplication. So that means it just continues to increase. The more you multiply, the greater the amount. Are you with me? So God multiplies. So so man adds to that. God takes it and he multiplies it. So then it becomes much. So see, your much is too much for the enemy. Your much becomes too much for the enemy. See, you got you, you, you got to understand, amen, what, what God was doing here as he was, amen, they were becoming much. See, see it, 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 the enemy doesn't want you to have too much faith. The enemy doesn't want you to have too much joy. He doesn't want you to have too much peace. Amen, he doesn't want you to have too much prayer. He doesn't want you to pray too much. He doesn't want you to fast too much. He doesn't want you uh, to...
to show up too much. He doesn't want you to praise too much. He doesn't want you to worship too much. Because, hallelujah, he understands, amen, that the affliction, amen, multiplies, hallelujah, who you are in God. So the greater the affliction, the more the multiplication. So then the much, amen, your too much becomes too much for the enemy. Because what you think is too much on you, God is saying, I'm going to make you even greater than what you were so that you become too much for the enemy. Oh, that's just too much. That's going overboard. You know, there she goes again jumping. That's just too much. There ain't no sense in jumping all the time. There ain't no sense in having that much joy. There ain't no sense in having that much peace. I need somebody to help me. Hallelujah. But can I tell you that God meant for us to be too much for the enemy to deal with. He meant for us to be too much. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm too much. I'm too much. Too much testimony. Too much excitement. Oh my Lord, they're so excited because it's Sunday. That's just a little too much. Well, when you've been to hell and back as many times as I have, when you've been at the place where you thought you weren't going to make it and your mind said, I don't want to live. When you've been to the place, hallelujah, where there was no other way out. Statistically, 
I shouldn't be here today. According to man's words, I should not be allowed behind this sacred desk. According to man's words, even though I'm called to preach, I should not be allowed to preach. So by, by, by the standards, here's the thing. When you become too much for people, you don't know you're too much for hell. Cause when, oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking, you, you, you don't talk about hell, do you? I should not be here. Sister Lori doesn't share with you. By rights, she should not be here. Yeah. Come on. Some of you, your stories, you escaped barely death, eternity, danger. You should have been dead. But you're here. Why? Because we have a record of surviving. The Ecclesia has a record of standing despite the affliction. Despite the affliction, we are still standing. So we have a record of surviving. See, we don't lose ground, we take it. Come on, we, we don't lose ground, we take it. We don't give up, we rise up. Come on, I'm going to show you what the Lord put in my spirit this morning. We don't shut up, we speak up. We don't sit down, we tear down. We don't relinquish, we extinguish. And we don't quit, we just submit. Hallelujah, when we don't understand it, when it becomes too much, we just surrender even more to God. Do you understand me today? Hallelujah, can I tell you it's not a sin to feel like quitting? Hey man, I felt like quitting this week. Not quitting on God, but quitting on the call. About enough. Come on. It's not a sin to feel like quitting. I don't told you it's not a sin to feel. God gave you those feelers. But those feelers don't control you. See, the, the, the enemy wants to keep you at bay because that affects your praise. Some of you today, <laughs> I'm not your bro, I'm your pastor. <laughs> Titles don't do anything for me. No. I appreciate I appreciate the respect, but honestly, it, it's not a it's not a it doesn't don't get offended. Now you call me something else besides my name. You know. Some of you in here today did not yield to the opportunity to lift your hands and praise the Lord. You didn't take, you didn't seize the moment to give him your undivided attention. You missed on that opportunity. Why does that happen? And I'm not criticizing you. I'm not trying to make anybody feel that. 
Why does that happen? First and foremost, because we've got our mind on something else. Bottom line. Whether it's a good thing, a bad thing, or just whether or not you got a booger in your nose. Whether it's something like that. Seriously, come on. Or whether your your socks match, or whether whether you know what what does this look like from behind? You know, well, really, really, really. stupid stuff. You think you got a booger in your nose? Get a Kleenex, blow it, and praise the Lord. It's that simple. Come on, I'm I'm about to finish. Why do we? Why, does, why do we allow that to happen? Because we are distracted. Unless, unless I'm talking about the ecclesia. I'm talking about those that are born again, those that are saved, those that are in a relationship with the Lord. I know that there's people that, that are not going to praise the Lord because they're not in a relationship with the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about why, how do we, why do we allow the enemy to, 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 to prevent us from seizing the moment because we are distracted. Our mind is elsewhere. How many times do you, have you heard, if you grew up in church at all, especially Pentecostal church, let's get our minds on the Lord. Come on, church, let's get our minds on the Lord, right? We've got to get our minds on the Lord. See, the enemy wants to keep you at bay because that affects your praise. And he knows if you can begin to praise the Lord, with no inhibition. Nothing. You just know, you know what? Here it is. It's going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to praise you anyhow. He knows that if you can get to that place, that you're going to become too much for him to handle. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 6. See what it says. It says, let us go up against Judah. Watch Judah mean? Praise. Let's just take it and where it's at. Let's go up against praise and let's vex it. Let's trouble it. Let's divide it. Let's vex the praise. Amen? Let's terrorize the praise. And let's make a breach therefore, therein for us instead of king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabiol. Why do, does the enemy want to come and vex your praise? We've not talked about it. We talked about it last week. Because it's our praise that God comes down, sets up a throne, and he dwells and resides and marries the environment. So if you begin to praise him and all hell has turned out against you, the Bible promises us, God's words promise us that he will come down, set a throne up in the midst of your mess and marry himself to those circumstances. That means he's going to stay with it until it's no longer a burden. He's going to stay with it until the battle is over. Come on, somebody, do you hear me? That's why, because he wants to set up another king in the midst of your praise. He wants the enemy. He wants the idol, whatever it is that's distracting you. He wants that to set up the throne in your praise because he knows that once you begin to truly relinquish it all to begin to praise him, that you're going to become too much. That you're going to be a man too much for him to handle. And he's going to have to turn around and take that demon 
right back with him. Hallelujah. You want to get revenge on the enemy? Hallelujah. Praise. You want to know how to get back at the enemy? Praise. You want to know how to get the enemy to flee? Praise. Come on. I submit yourself to God for just the devil and he will flee. But what do you think praise is? It's submitting yourself to God. Hallelujah. It's resisting what says you don't have a right. And you are offering up. I need somebody in this house that's willing to raise a hallelujah. I'm looking for somebody that's in this house with it. My praise is a weapon. Verses 16 and 17. His mischief. And we're talking about the devil here. We're talking about the enemy. Our arch enemy. Every one of us have a common enemy. He is Hasatan, the Satan. The king of adversity. The adversary. His mischief shall return upon his head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. Amen. Verse 17. I will praise the Lord yeah. according to his righteousness, yeah. and will sing praise to the name of the Lord yeah. most high. Go ahead and praise him, because everything that the enemy thought was going to take you out is going to come down on his head. Sevenfold, he shall give all the substance of his house. Can I put that in heavenly terms? 
Everything the enemy took from you, he has to give all of that back to you seven times more. Multiplication. Hallelujah. The greater the affliction, the greater the multiplication. Come on, somebody. Do you hear me? Hallelujah. Amen. Multiplication. The more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied, the more they became too much for the enemy. So we increase the more the enemy purposes to fight us. So I didn't have far to fall. like me, that's a different story. I got a lot farther to fall. We become too much. I don't know who the Lord's talking to today, but I feel this right here. You've made the decision. You've made the choice, good choice, to pursue Jesus. You may not understand it, May not all make sense to you, but now you're at the place where there's no denying that this is real. But you feel like you're always going to be alone. You're always going to be at it by yourself. And the enemy comes at you, and sometimes it's a lot of pressure to where you feel you may not have known what it what it was, but now hopefully you understand that oppression, that weight of the enemy, that pressure that the enemy wants to put upon your mind and your will to get you to hopefully decide, try to rationalize that maybe it's not worth it. Or that it's always going to be this way. Let me tell you something. The reason he does not want you to remain steadfast is because when you remain steadfast, you become too much for him to handle. We are too much for hell today. It is not the will of God for you to sit and be sad, be depressed. It's not his will for you to sit outside of his covenant and be denied the favor of God over your life. So you came in here this morning, you're, you're like, man, it's just too much. I've got too much on me. Well, your much is too much for the enemy because the greater the affliction, the greater you're going to grow and the farther God's going to take you. Stand with me across this place as they get ready to worship. Ahead of everything else, more importantly than anything else, if you're sitting in here today and you're living outside the covenant of God, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you have before, 
and you've, you've stepped out of it. I don't care why. It's not important why. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter who was involved, doesn't matter what happened. What matters most is that you're missing the blessing and the favor of walking in covenant relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's peace that surpasses understanding. There's joy in the midst of sorrow. So if you're here this morning and that's you, I want to ask you first your priority to come and say yes to Jesus. For some of you, it's renew that covenant. Say yes to him again. So that's you. I want you to come. And while there might be some contemplating that decision, if you're in here this morning and you said, you know what, I came in here today feeling like this weight was just too much. But now I realize that I need to draw from the strength of God that my much is too much for the enemy. Because God the greater the affliction, the more the multiplication. That's you who wants you to come. I want to pray with you. Come on, quickly, quickly.